Good morning. Guys, as we're jumping into Psalm 78, the song that we just sang uh, is a summary of the hope we have in Jesus Christ and the place that we find ourselves in today in this generation. You are a link. You're a link in a chain from one generation to the next. You, are a, you play a crucial role. You are here for, your, for the good of the next generation. The, uh, the strength which with, with which we hold is crucial and important. And it's one of the themes of Psalm 78 that we would tell the glorious and amazing and strong works of God to the next generation. None of us do this perfectly, but all of us are called to do it. And so as we read Psalm 78, 1 through 8, we're going to see together the theme of this psalm is that from beginning to end, from generation to generation, God is faithful. He is good. He will show himself. He is strong for us. And we have the opportunity and the privilege to speak well of him. If there's a, another, there, there are several little under, undercurrents in this psalm. Another psalm, or another uh, undercurrent is this reality that this is a, a psalm that's recognizing the Davidic covenant, the covenant that God made with David. Now, here let me describe it briefly. Second Samuel chapter 7, God comes and says, David, there will be forever an offspring of yours on the throne in Israel. Now, we believe in Psalm 78, there's been, a, remember, it's in the midst of seven consecutive psalms where there is like devastation. That's the word that old Palmer Robertson uses when he describes book three. So God established this kingdom, but here in this mid, in the midst of book three, there's devastation because the promise that we once held is gone. Let me put it in words for you and me to relate to. We had something from God we had prayed for, we had waited for, we looked to him for. We were sure he was going to give it. He gave it. And now, it's gone. A relationship, a job, the uh, means toward an easy and comfortable or, or happy, we might use the word, future, it, it was in our hands. And something has devastatingly changed in this moment and we no longer have it and here asap comes and says hey uh, people of israel that's where we find ourselves today god was uh, david was on the throne we held that promise and the essence of the the message of this psalm is even if you can't see god working we might say it like this uh, even when i don't see it you're working even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. And Asaph would put it like this. Even when we don't have currently a king on the throne in Israel who's a descendant of David, don't stop believing. Do not stop believing. It's going to happen. 
God's going to be faithful. Something good and beautiful is going to happen. But we're way ahead of ourselves. So let's read Psalm 78. We're just going to read verses 1 through 8. We're going to comment on a lot of them. This is a very long psalm. It's the second longest psalm in the Psalter. So a lot of verses. We're not going to try to cover them all, but we'll try to do our best to let verses 1 through 8, a summary of the psalm, lead us in to the rest of the book. A masculine of Asap. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known, that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord that he might and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God. Can I just start that verse over? If we're going to focus in on one verse that gives us a sense of this entire psalm, it's verse 7. Okay? So that they might, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. And Father, as we come to this psalm today, we are undone. Come into your presence to worship your name and sing your praises sing your praises much like the psalmist has written here we've come to join the song sung long before our lives to raise our voice on this chain of we pray lord faithfulness from one generation to the next to raise our voice along heaven and earth alike we've seen your faithful hand we have seen your mercy without end Our prayer, Lord, is that we would be this faithful generation that does not hide your glorious and amazing works from this generation and the next, but that they would see in us and through your grace to us that you are good and you are glorious. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the uh, four by 100 Relay team for the United States has had its share of trouble in these recent days. In fact, they, by their own admission, have stunk it up. The fastest runners in the world have competed in the U.S. 4x100 relay for the last 17 years. And in those 17 years, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times... We have disqualified ourselves from major international 
uh, competition in the Olympics and in the world championships because we cannot work out a working system of handing the baton from one runner to the next runner. The LSU track coach said in uh, 2020, after watching the U.S. team fail again, that when his sprinters come and participate in the relay race, they spend 10 weeks working on the pass. And our U.S. runners that are so very fast before the Olympics in 2008, for instance, spent just a day and a half working on passing the baton. You don't pass the baton, you don't win the race. 2008, Olympics dropped baton. There's a beautiful picture online. I was going to show it to you, but go online and look for the picture of the 2008 Olympics, and you can see the baton in midair between two runners as we dropped it. 2009, World Championship. The exchange happened prior to the legal exchange zone. We were disqualified. 2011, American runner collides with British runner and falls down in the British runner's lane. 2015, the exchange happened after the legal exchange zone, disqualified. 2020 Olympics, weird groping for baton between runners that caused us to slow down so much, we took sixth in qualifying. Only the top five teams advanced. Last Saturday, we have a one-second lead, a commanding lead in the world championships in a 400-meter race, once around the track. But we can't make the third to the fourth, the third to the anchor exchange. There's a slowdown, a weird slowdown, and we do not win. And a, the team that has not won in years and years, Canada, no offense to my Canadian friends, wins. Guys, if we can't make a handoff, we will be disqualified. If we cannot accurately and in a helpful way show this generation and the next generation the glories and beauty of, and strength of the living king in the universe, then we are going to have trouble moving forward. And listen, we can't run the next leg for the next generation. Can't do it. You can't make the person receive the handoff. You can't put it in their hand and then run alongside of them and continue to make sure that they hold on to it. You can't do that. But we can reduce everything that stands in between, everything that would be a problem, everything that would be a, no pun intended, a hurdle in them receiving the baton and continuing on the race. And that's what this psalm is all about. Remove every reason that the next generation might not walk with the Lord. Everything that's in your power to remove, remove it. And so that's where we are. And Asaph would say, man, you cannot run the next runner's leg, but you can do everything possible to hand the baton to them well and faithfully. So as we look at this psalm, we, the goal of us in this generation is that we make the name of the Lord known. Look at verse 1, the subscript, a maskeel. That is a statement of wisdom. He's going to teach us something in this psalm of Asap, and we believe it's actually a descendant of Asap because I really do believe that this psalm probably, this devastation, took place many years after David and Solomon were on the throne. Give ear, O my people. Now, there are some similarities, similarities between what we studied last week and what we're studying this week. 
Okay? One of the similarities uh, is um, the faithfulness of the Lord in devastating times. But if you take a look at Psalm 77, put your finger on verse 1. Last week, we were learning, I cry aloud to the Lord. We were pouring out our hearts. We were getting verbal with the Lord. We were being honest about how painful the situation was. This week, similar theme, but we're learning the opposite, discipline. Chapter, again, now we're back to Psalm 78. Put your finger on verse 1. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. We go from crying out to giving ear, from talking to listening. The only two imperative verbs in the entirety of these 80 verses, 72 verses, come in verse 1. And the imperative is this, listen, listen, incline your ear. Look at verse 2, I will open my mouth in a parable. This verse is used to make a statement in the Newer Testament that, the Messiah, that Jesus is the Messiah because he spoke to them in parables. And so one of the gospel writers takes this and you see and says, Jesus in part fulfilled prophecy because he spoke in parables. The parable is this. It's true information, and in this case, about actual events that we have to be humble to receive. So if I come into a parable and I have my mind made up about what God's going to be telling me here, I'm not going to get it. So this is what I spent the most time on this week in preparing uh, for this psalm. Is saying, okay, Lord, don't let me tell you what I think. Don't let me parrot my lifetime convictions that I've been talking about to you for years. Don't let me hold to my same take on current politics or current events. Don't let me continue to argue with you that you're doing something wrong and where are you and what are you doing? It's time for me to let you speak to my heart today. To humble myself before you, oh God, may, I, may we today not hear this parable spoken by Asap to us, by the descendant of Asap, and walk away saying, oh yeah, okay, okay I heard the parable. I still hold all my, my, my things the way I did when I walked in. The beauty of meeting with the people of God and the presence of God is that here God might meet with you and me and change me. Give ear, O oh, oh my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. And now he starts talking like a, like a prophet. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Things that we have heard and known that our, our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children. Do you have, I have images of, of Deuteronomy 6 in my heart. You remember, we call that the great Shema, the great Shema. Hear, O Israel, hear. Hear. The, the Lord your God is one. Teach these things to your children in the morning and when you're traveling and, and formally at night. Be active and take initiatives so that they understand who God is. And so this is, uh, Psalm 78 is taking the same form of Deuteronomy of what we're called to do as, as those that are growing in faith and those that know God and those that have a responsibility to be that baton passer, that link in the chain to the next generation. And that brings us to our first point that we make God's grace 
grace known to the next generation. And that's what we're all about. We make God's grace known to the next generation when we reflect on the past, remembering his covenantal and glorious deeds. We look back. And that's what Psalm 78 is all about. We could point this out that uh, uh, in verses 42 through 53, he looked back and he says, do you see what God has done? He delivered us from slavery. He delivered the people of God from slavery without weapons, without an army, without political organization, without internal or uh, external kind of motivation other than, of course, the plagues and, and the hand of God. He delivered his people from Egypt. And that's one of the great things that is on the short list of ASAP when he was remembering the glorious, the things only God can do kinds of things. If we look at the words there in verse 7, if we look at the words it, it, we see there so that they should set their hope on God and not forget his works, but keep his commandments and they should not be like their fathers whose heart was not steadfast in them. If we look up at even in verse 4, we will not hide them from our children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord. And so the glorious deeds all throughout Psalm 78 are listed one after another. Glorious deeds... Verse 9 through 41, he delivered us from wilderness wanderings. He guided us. He provided water for us. He provided food for us. In verses 54 through 64, he brought them through the river and into promised land. He gave us land that we did not fight for and houses that we did not build. Just because he set his favor upon us. And this gracious, beautiful God has done act of grace after act of grace after act of grace in human history to take care of his people. And the great thing that he did to make a covenant with them, to make them belong to him. He protected them through the waters, guided them in the desert. God is glorious. God has worked powerfully in human history for the good of his children in every generation. He has not left us without help. He is a wonderful works kind of God. And so while we recognize there's going to be trials and difficult, difficulty, the reality is our heart needs to be reviewing these beautiful and strong acts of God so that the next generation will hear us talking about them all the time. Do you talk about that? Do you have like a, a glorious act of God kind of list? The, the list should have some historical things. We can look back and see how God has acted 2,000 years ago. We can see how God has acted when he did the exact same thing we just talked about just 60 years, 70 years ago. When he gave his people, Israel, border, land, without an army, in a miraculous display of promise-keeping to his own people. How could he do that? That does not happen. Where else do people stay a people when they're outside their country? Where else do people get given lands with borders? Only when the glorious and strong 
a hand of God is at work for the good of his people. And so we see that just a few years ago, in 1948, God does this for them yet again. What's on your list? What's on your list in your family? I don't have time to go into it, but I can tell you stories of uh, God's hand in our recent generations when his grace came and convicted hearts and drew us. I say us because here I am in this generation. I look back just two generations and see God's grace in Nikki's family and in my family. He's been strong. I look and see that the the west parking lot just behind me about 100 feet, that God miraculously provided dollars for that event. And there was this one uh, Thursday when we got an inspection over there and it wasn't uh, yet paved and uh, the, the dirt was super soft and we, we weren't going to be able to pave it and it was going to cost us a lot of money and our blacktop guy was going to move on to the next project. It wasn't going to get done in a timely way. And as we prayed that Thursday, we're like, what, is, what is God, it's actually a Friday morning, what is God going to do here? Now that day in Sheboygan on the south side, it did not rain at my house. That day, on the north side, several of you have come and told me it did not rain. But over the west parking lot, it poured down rain. And the way the water came down and compacted the soft dirt absolutely put that, the hardness of that dirt in that moment to a new to a new place, so that when the inspector came Monday morning, he, he did his test of, of strength of dirt and said, you guys are good, go ahead on with the, with the work. And later that day, our asphalter came and paved the property. God is at work doing miraculous provision-type things in this world today. And that's just one example of it. Do you have a list? Is that what comes out of your mouth? So often, what comes out of my mouth in the casual moments, what I don't have, what I'm frustrated with, what I wish were different. There are moments to talk about all of those things, but the typical pattern of your life and mine should be that we are constantly reviewing the good and powerful covenant of the Lord, his glorious deeds that he has done. We're writing them down, and we are regularly talking to the, the, the younger believers in this place. It's on, it's on us, believers. It's on us to have the responsibility to carefully talk about the glorious deeds of God to the next generation. Guys, God delivered us. And as we look through this psalm, we're going to see at the very end that we can stay focused on that even when we are currently, we currently don't have the promise of God to look to or, or we don't have the, the realized benefit of God in our hand. Remember we said that this was written by Asaph in a time when there was no king. And we'll see later that what he writes is that I am... In the midst, when I don't hold the promise in my hand, I will believe the word of God and the promise of God because of his glorious deeds in the past. I will believe that more than I believe my own eyes or more than I respond to what I see and what I don't have in this moment today. So we put the works of God on display so that our kids will see 
the glorious goodness of God. But you see here, there's also a way that we hide. You see verse 4? We will not hide them from our children. So we can hide them in two ways. The concept of forgetting or not remembering is not like this brief, temporary, mental lapse. I I forgot. I've got plans at 2 o'clock this afternoon. Oh, yeah. I forgot. I've got water on the stove. I got to tend to that. It's not like that. It is an intentional disregarding of who God is and what he's done, and it doesn't just come out in words to us. I'm turning over to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 for a moment, because in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, there's a summary given of this time frame in the history of Israel, and there are three specific ways they hid the glorious deeds of the Lord from the next generation. For I want you to know, brothers, he says, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, that our fathers were all under the cloud and passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food. Now down in verse 5. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased. These things happened, took place, now verse 6, these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Now I would put forth to you that in the next three verses, 7, 8, and 9, here's examples of how we hide things in this generation today. This is how we might inadvertently hide the great glory of God from our children, or from young believers in this generation. We might become, verse 7, idolaters. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Let me summarize it this way. We might become obsessed with our own comfort and pleasure. That hides the glory of God. My kids don't see the glory of God when I spend most of my thinking, most of my time, most of my money on me. And so if I establish a pattern where I serve myself, I will begin to obstruct, I will begin to put mist over the greatness of God's name for this generation, young believers in this place, to see how great God is. Look at verse Nine. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 9. We must not put Christ to the test. Here's the second way we obstruct or obscure the greatness of God's name if we're not careful. As some of them did and were destroyed by the serpents. And there, here's the way that I would put this. Is that when we seek contentment or fullness outside of Christ... That is, we don't let him form the character of Jesus in us. We aren't uh, uh, focused on the fruit of the Spirit and walking in the fruit of the Spirit. We're focused on information and truth-telling, maybe, or, or, or we're focused on doing things our own way. And so when we see contentment and fullness outside of Christ, our kids and young people in this church will see it. Here's the third way, verse 10 that we obscure the glory of God inadvertently. 
We must not, verse 9, we must not, now go down to verse 10, grumble. As some of them did. And were destroyed by the destroyer. When we grumble, we say to God, you have not given us enough of what we want. You have not given a sufficient amount of yourself or the benefit that I want from you. And it comes out most, the word grumble is a verbal word. We talk about what we don't have. We talk about what we want. We talk about, we talk about, we talk about, and what we inadvertently do is give our, our children and the younger believers in this church, in this generation, the sense that God's not enough. That he hasn't come through for us. That you can be a, a God follower, a Christ follower, and still be completely dissatisfied and want something different or something more from him. And so that would be a real encouragement. This has been an encouragement to my heart this week that not only I'm recalling regularly and talking about the works of God and I'm talking about his hand and I'm talking about his faithfulness to our family, but also I'm not drawn into this idea of living for comfort, of getting off mission, of forgetting that even as I get older, my main thing in life is to multiply disciples for the glory of Jesus Christ. And we forget those things and start living for self and comfort and ease. We start viewing viewing the world as this material, physical outside, and we start waiting on God to just do what we think he should do. And that's an obstruction. That's a baton fumbling, if you will, in this generation. Verse 7, if this is our summary, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and that they should not be like our fathers, Stubborn and rebellious, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, and our heart is listening so closely. Boy, we want them to set their hope in God, don't we? Do you see that? So that the next generation might know them, children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God. And that brings us to our second concept here. We make God's grace known to the next generation when we anticipate the future hoping in his faithfulness. Guys, the future is a profoundly beautiful thing. In the future, here's what we can say with conviction of heart, even if there's no king on the throne currently. God's going to keep all his promises. God is going to bring all of our children through it. God is going to do great things to make his name known in the next generation. And sometimes I have the, the tendency to say, well, I, I don't really, I don't like what's going on in this world right now, and it's ugly, and it's difficult, and uh, I forget to talk about this beautiful future. You know what the word hope is all about? The word hope means this, a conviction that God is at work for my good according to his word in the future. Hope is future-focused. It's an internal attitude about a coming day when God will be good to you according to his word in the coming days. That's what we have to expect from the future. You know, sometimes I, I had someone say to me this week, and they're not a part of the church, so I can say this uh, uh, freely. Uh, 
said this, I've uh, never seen things this bad in the culture. Never seen things. I never th- see things deteriorate this rapidly. Can I just tell you? That's a baton fumble. It's not that there's not time to recognize that. It's not that there's not a moment when we pray about that. But our message to the next generation is not, how are you going to do it? It's not, boy, this is really trouble. Look out now because we're at this climax where things could go south really fast. No, the message of older, mature believers in this congregation to the next generation is look at the mighty works of the Lord and see this reality. He promises to be with you as well. You got a seven-year-old girl at home and you're watching the news headlines. You've got a, a, a young man and you're not sure where he's going to get his, his messages. Here is the answer. Live according to faith and hope in God's word. Make the baton an obvious pass for them to take. Live with confidence that the future yet unformed is beautiful under the sovereign and good hand of God. And he is going to do great things for your children, just like he's done great things for us, just like he's done great things for the children of Israel all those years ago. The future is fantastic. Now, might the future involve trouble? Yeah. Yeah. A couple weeks ago, Gary mentioned night by Elie Weissel. It's an amazing book. In the book, he he gives a long, the whole book is his recounting of what happens in a concentration camp for him. And I won't tell you much about the book, but I'll tell you this. He saw, uh, uh, the the thing I want to point up here is he saw uh, rabbis coming to the place in the concentration camp where they renounced their faith in God and said, I can no longer continue on like that. I can't believe that there's a good God out there based on what I see in this concentration camp. Now, I tell you stories that are difficult like that to remind you that the promise is not that we're going to get a king tomorrow on David's throne. We'll get to that at the end of this, the message here this morning. The promise is not that we trust the Lord here on Sunday and Monday the sun comes up, blue skies, and everything's easy for us. It's not at all it. The, the message is that if our economy completely falls apart, we'll just be a little bit more like the rest of the world's economies. It's okay if your 401k goes away completely tomorrow. I'm not saying it will. I don't think it will. But if it does, you're going to be okay. Because your 401k is not part and parcel to the mission of God in this world. We'll share our houses. We'll share our food. We'll help one another. We love with God's love. It's okay if everything falls apart tomorrow. It's okay if, if a government... We have Christians who live in China, in a communist place right now where they, can ha- they have no rights and the church is flourishing by God's grace. It's okay. Everything's going to be 
all right. I'm not saying we give up on the U.S. I'm not saying we invite or want all the trouble in the world. I'm saying that if hard days come in the future, blessed be the name of the Lord. He will be faithful to us. And our call, whatever comes in the future, is to have confidence that God is at work according to his word for your good in the future and believe it for our children. I've heard a, a great reminder to us that when we tell the kids, when we tell the kids, oh boy, yeah, hmm. yeah, it's going to be bad out there. Things could fall apart. It could be the worst ever for you. I'm not sure how you're going to make it. I could barely make it. I'm not sure how you're going to make it. You know what we do? We give them an, an excuse eight years down the road to tell themselves it's worse than my parents ever had it. To check out. We're not giving you kids. Listen, if you're 9, 10, 12 years old in here, can I give you a very adult, hard, loving message? We know that God will be faithful to you in the future no matter what comes. And the name of Jesus Christ and his glory and goodness, if it costs you your very life, it's worth it. So live for the greatness and grandeur of the glory of God no matter what and keep your eyes peeled on heaven because he's going to come through and he's going to help you. God will not let any current or future generation down that belongs to him. He will be faithful. The theme of Psalm 78, he will be faithful. Faithful. We make God's grace known to the next generation when we reflect on the past, anticipate the future, and finally, when we're faithful in the present. Obedience. God is calling you and me to this beautiful, obedient life to Him. He wants us to rigorously take obedience to his word seriously so that this and the next generation can feel the love and care that he has for us. That's what law is all about. When God says no, he means don't hurt yourself. He means there's a better way. I love you. And this covenant of Psalm 78 does not say keep the law in, in that way you earn the favor of God. No. Because of the covenant of God placed upon you, we gladly and happily walk under the precepts of the Lord together as a congregation. Verse 5, he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel. Here's the point. Northern tribe, southern tribe. It's not David's take on the future or the past. It's not Solomon's take on the past. It's not Moses' take on the past. God wrote it down so that you can examine it. You can see what he said. You can know precisely who he is and what he's called us to. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he, listen, commanded our fathers. The way forward in the church, the two, the two ditches that we could fall into in the, in the road of keeping God's word with a happy heart on the one side is adding to God's word. We're going to do our best here at this place to never do that. But can I just be honest with you? Here's how I would, here's how I would nickname that ditch. 
my traditions and preferences that are above and beyond the word. That's a ditch. And we are not going to win this generation if we hold to my 30-year-old traditions that are just what I grew up on and I prefer and I like and make it seem like in this church we all do it. No, not doing that. Not doing that. That's adding to the word of God and adding to the covenant that God, we're not doing that. Here's the other one is in this generation, we say, you know, we're going to minister to more folks if we reduce, subtract from what God's word says in terms of calling us to moral soundness and highness and strength, calling us to give up our life and, and love That's a ditch. We're not falling into subtracting from God's word either. We are doing our best to stay on the road, walking in what God has called us to, so that in the church we have this real and genuine sanctification. It's lived out imperfectly, but we are taking every step we can to rigorously obey the word of God. Are you doing that? Not growing comfortable in your life with a couple of compromise here and a compromise there. You know that me living a life of compromise in my later years when I taught my kids something different when they were little is the absolute definition of baton dropping. So real and genuine sanctification is going to be the thing that sets the church apart. We want to be a church where our message to you is one of love and hope and transformation and sanctification, where we sing in this generation, we are going to keep on singing the praises of God. We've come to join this song sung before our lives, to raise our voices along, heaven and earth along. We've seen your faithful hand and your mercy without end, the king who bled and died. And so our heartbeat is to keep singing that song. And what's going to draw this generation to Jesus is Jesus. And Jesus is going to be seen when we don't add to his word and we don't subtract from his word in this place. Real holiness in the church, real sanctification that doesn't add to or subtract from the word of God is going to be the hallmark of the faithful church in 2022 and beyond. It's going to be the hope of the next generation. And we are going to stick to the word with all of our hearts as we live it out together. Real and genuine sanctification lived out. Love God, love neighbor, the character of Jesus coming out and very committed to this, love and joy and peace, patience with one another and kindness. Goodness speaks to moral excellence, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the hallmarks of the church moving forward, the Spirit-led church. And so if Psalm 77 started with a cry out, and Psalm 78 starts with a listen, listen, listen to what the Lord says, they also end in a really interesting similarity. Again, take your finger and put it on chapter 77 or Psalm 77 last week. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. That was an amazing and strong, super cool act of God. He led them out of the wilderness. But now as we turn over to the end of Psalm 78, we see that it ends with another statement about shepherding. 
If Moses was the shepherd and Aaron was the shepherd in 77, look at 78, verse 67. He rejected the tent of Joseph. He did not choose the tribe of Ephraim in the north, but he chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loves. He built his sanctuary like the high heavens. And can I tell you, for the all of eternity, the songs of God's praise, no matter what this world looks like or what you think you see happening in the world, for all eternity, the praises of God will be sung in every generation on this earth and throughout all eternity with a voice of the faithful singing praise to his name. Like the earth which he has founded forever. Some people think that the earth is going to be destroyed, but it sure seems to me like it's founded forever and the earth is going to not be remade. It's going to be renewed. Like the earth which was founded forever, he chose David his servant. Now here we get to the shepherding piece. He chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds. From following the nursing ewes, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, a reference to the southern kingdom, to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. The twofold reality that Asaph is saying is, right now there's no king on the throne, but we have a promise to David. And the ultimate keeping of that promise. As we look forward, Jesus would take up this moniker, the good shepherd the son of David. The ultimate, the ultimate keeping of God's testimony to us is in Jesus Christ. And friends, that's how we are going to hold out hope in this generation best and strongest. We are going to look uh, back and we are going to see the strong hand of the Lord and it is unarguable how good he's been. We are going to look forward with confidence and say he's going to do it again. He's going to continue to hold us as we are faithful to him. In this moment, Obeying him and happily not tinkering with his word, but loving his word because he's the one who makes the covenant and he's the one who keeps it. And while he made a covenant of, of shepherding in Moses and he did it with Aaron and he showed us in David, the ultimate reality is that the ultimate David, the son that sits on the throne of Israel forever, will lead you home. And will lead us home. Let's hold on to him with everything we have. Let's stand and be dismissed. Father, as we go from this place this morning, we are very aware of our need for you. And we pray that we would not hide your glorious, faithful works from this generation. We would not hide it by forgetting to remember. And we would not hide it by being complainers and getting off mission. But we would hold faithfully. And Lord, we can't carry the baton for this next generation. And there are some people in here today that until this day have viewed themselves as young, new, green, rookie. And Father, we are so thankful to be a church where we are reminding one another that it's not about your age. It is about the work of God in your heart. And there are many people in this place right now, and we know that the baton, though they be 15 years old, 12 years old, it's been passed. 
They are running. They are holding that baton in their hand. They have the responsibility, the full responsibility of this text. And that doesn't take the responsibility off of me or somebody in this room who may be the oldest or most mature believer in this room. All of us running together, purposely taking away every obstacle to passing the baton to the next generation so that they can see the greatness of your name and you will lead us home. Dismiss us with your blessing, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.